In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, on the 14th of February this year, 2023, we have a great feast in the family of the work a small family within the much greater family of the church, but a family that has been very blessed by God, like the whole church is blessed by God at all times. And today, the 14th of February, we celebrate above all the anniversary of the founding of the women's branch of the work on the 14th of February, 1930, and also the founding of the Priestly Society of the Holy Cross, 80 years ago today, in 1943. So Jesus, my prayer today really is very simple. I thank you, Lord. I express my joy to you. I petition you for, for your work, for your Opus Dei, especially for the women of the work and the priests of the work, and indeed the whole family of the work. And I express my sure and confident hope that you are doing what you want through us, despite our littleness and our weaknesses and our failings. The work of God is God's work. It's your work, Lord. And I trust in your grace. We do trust, like St. Paul says to the Philippians, that God, who began his work in you, will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, you are faithful and your work is your work <laughs> and on that basis um, we have tremendous confidence. I guess it is significant that liturgically this feast is celebrated with the Mass of Our Lady of Fair Love in the centres of the Prelature where that liturgy can be can be celebrated. The Mass of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of fair love or mother of beautiful love i guess and therefore we celebrate this outstanding day by rejoicing in the beauty of mary it's the mother of beautiful love it's a day which is you could say transfused with beauty and therefore you know that liturgical celebration that mass that focus on the beauty of mary is highly appropriate so in my prayer now, I just want to make my own or paraphrase the preface of the Mass, uh, which is a beautiful prayer to God and to Mary. We tell the Lord and we speak about his mother, thinking of how she is beautiful in her, in her conception. We say that to Mary now in our prayer. Mother, you are, you are beautiful in your conception, in your immaculate conception. In a sense, we celebrated that uh, indirectly the other day on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. Um, where you identified yourself to Bernadette and thereby to the whole people of God as being the Immaculate Conception in person. And it's significant that 
up to that point, uh, the little Bernadette had always referred to Our Lady of Lourdes as the beautiful woman. What's outstanding about the lady who appears at the cave uh, or the grotto of Massabiel is her beauty, is her beauty. And when Bernadette eventually gets round to asking her her name, we're told that, first of all, Our Lady smiled, a beautiful smile. And then, only then, she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. We get the sense, Mother, that your smile expresses the beauty and the wonder of who you are. And that's why in our prayer, it can be good for us to, um, to seek out the smile of Mary, the smile of the most beautiful creature, the smile of the highest honour of our race. There's a lovely homily, if you're interested, a beautiful homily of Pope Benedict XVI from the 15th of September 2008 um, at a Mass he celebrated in Lourdes for the sick. And in that homily, Pope Benedict dwelt almost entirely on the smile of Mary, on the beauty of Mary's smile. Going, going back to the preface of the Mass of Our Lady, Mother of Beautiful Love, of Fair Love, we, the Church prays that you are beautiful mother in your conception, shining with grace in your immaculate conception. You are beautiful mother in the virgin birth, in which you brought forth into the world our Lord, splendor of the Father's glory and our Saviour and our brother. It's amazing, isn't it, that juxtapositioning, you know, that you, Mother, bring to us the splendor of the Father's glory, you know, something that just transcends even our wildest imaginations. That is, it's a beauty which is utterly ineffable, that glory of the Father and the Son who is the splendor of that glory. And this same splendor of the Father's glory in flesh now made man is also our Savior and our brother. So the sublimity of Christ, you know, in no way distances himself from us. He is our brother, no, no less, he's our brother. The preface also prays that you are beautiful mother in your son's passion, full of compassion for the gentle lamb who offers himself, Jesus Christ. Yes, Our Lady of Sorrows also is magnificent, is beautiful in her fidelity, in her patience, in her fortitude, in her support of her dying son. You are beautiful also, Mother, the Church prays, in your son's resurrection, with whom you also reign gloriously and share in his victory. So the preface of this particular Mass is something we could pray about for a long time. It's, it's, it's all about the beauty of Our Lady. And I'm sure St. Jose Maria would be delighted that we focus on this particular day on the beauty of the Mother of God and of our Mother. And this is the point, I suppose, of this meditation. If you want me to sum up the theme of this meditation in one word, that word is beauty, beauty. All of God's works and all of God's deeds are always beautiful. And that's because ultimately you, Lord, are beauty in person. We know the philosophers talk about the transcendentals, the true, the good and the beautiful. Uh, these are categories which help us to reach the ultimate truths, the ultimate truth, who is God. 
But it's not just that God is good and true and beautiful, but that you, Lord, are truth. You, Lord, are goodness. You, Lord, are beautiful. And therefore, your works, your actions are in accord with your nature. And therefore, they are beautiful. They are beautiful. And first among these works of God or actions of God or creations of God is Mary, the highest honor of our race, whom... Uh, the great St. John Paul II referred to as the first Opus Dei. What did he mean by that? Well, I can't interpret St. <laughs> John Paul's mind, but I think we can understand, you know, that the first Opus Dei, the most perfect of God's works, is the Immaculate Conception, is, is, the, um, is Our Lady. But every work of God is beautiful. Today we're, we're thanking God for the founding of, you might say, two great works of God or two great parts of the work of God, which is the is Opus Dei. Um, everything God does is beautiful. Like when we look back at uh, the creation of the world as recounted in the book of Genesis, the very first chapter, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. This is like the refrain. This is repeated over and over again after each phase in creation right through the seven days of creation. And then there's a significant little change, or maybe not so little change, after the creation of men and women. The sacred text goes from saying, God saw that it was good, to saying, God saw that it was very good. God saw that it was very good. After the creation of humankind, the Lord is particularly happy. He has done something of a, particular, a particularly beautiful thing which is to create men and women. And then we know that ugliness, disharmony, tension, fragmentation, wounds, you might say, all of that is not derived from creation, but from sin. We've had it even in the last few days in the Liturgy of the Word at Mass uh, two or three days ago, hadn't we? The account in the first reading from the book of Genesis, we had an account of um, original sin. The insinuation by the serpent, by Satan, uh, and his lie, you know, that if they ate the fruit of that tree, they would not die. And that's precisely what happens when they eat the fruit of the tree. Death comes into the world. The great trauma of death, which you, Lord, later on, in your infinite mercy, you redeem and empty from the inside by dying yourself and by rising. But the point is that everything that comes from our Lord, all of God's actions, are full of beauty. They're a source of beauty, and therefore they're a source of joy. And that's why when we contemplate the work today, the Priestly Society of the Holy Cross, the Women's Branch, and the whole family of Opus Dei, because we can't really look at any one part of the work in isolation. It's an organic family, a, a living home within the, the greater home of the Church. When we contemplate what God has done there, we're filled with joy. Because we realise it is extremely beautiful. Not that we who are in the work are always perfect or beautiful in what we do and say because we're sinners. We're poor. We're limited. And we do put our foot in it. And Lord, I, I make an act of contrition here in my prayer right now. But your work, just like your church, is beautiful. Because it's yours. Ultimately, it's yours. It's not in its perfected state here on our pilgrim journey on earth. But it's partly there. It's on the way. And it is already radiant with your beauty. It is already very beautiful. Everything that you do, Lord, is beautiful. 
even the simplest things. There's a very nice entry in the um, diary of um, Gerard Manley Hopkins, the great poet, um, an Englishman uh, who was started off as an Anglican and then converted to Catholicism and became a, a Jesuit priest and uh, has written some beautiful poetry. Unfortunately, he died quite young. He was a real contemplative, though. You can see that in his poetry. Probably a very holy man. But he, uh, in one of his diary entries, he, he talks about a little walk he took in the woods that morning. And uh, when he comes back in the afternoon, he just writes a few notes about his walk in, in his diary. And he says, I don't think I've ever seen anything so beautiful as that bluebell I saw this morning. I know the beauty of our Lord by it. Such a simple thing, you know, to be on a walk in the woods and we see a bluebell. Something really simple that, like, normally when you see one bluebell, you see about, I don't know, 50 or 100, because there, there's bunches of them. And Gerard Manley Hopkins, with his contemplative eye, which is with his prayerful soul, he sees you, Jesus, he sees the beauty, he says, I know the beauty of our Lord by it. What a wonderful thing to be alive. What a wonderful thing to walk in nature. What a wonderful thing to be able to work. What a wonderful thing to have human relationships. What a wonderful thing to live, to breathe, to move, to be. Because all that God does is beautiful and is a source of hope. Dorothy Day, um, great journalist, writer, and, uh, well, more importantly now, servant of God, who had a very um, interesting life, she talks about, you know, simple things that led her to the Catholic faith as, well, that took a long time and she had a big conversions and so on. But she talks about as a child, you know, what sort of things opened her eyes to the beauty of the faith? And she talks about one little, you might say, really, you might think, insignificant childhood event. And yet for her, it showed her the beauty of God. She talks about going over to her friend Catherine's house as a little girl. Obviously, the neighbours in her neighbourhood were all friends and they kind of just walked around each other's houses without any problem. And she says, as I think back, I realise that it was Mrs. Barrett, a neighbour, who gave me my first impulse towards Catholicism. It was already late in the morning that I went to Catherine to call her out. To, I went to Catherine's house, that's Mrs. Barrett's daughter's house, to call her out to play. There was no one on the porch or in the kitchen. The breakfast dishes had long been washed. The flats were known as railroad flats, that is, one room connected with another. Thinking the children must be in the first room, I burst in and ran through the bedrooms. In the front bedroom, Mrs. Barrett was down on her knees, saying her prayers. She turned to tell me that Catherine and the children had all gone out to the store, and then she went on with her praying. I felt a burst of love towards Mrs. Barrett that I have never forgotten, a feeling of gratitude and happiness that warmed my heart. How interesting this is. You know, when God is present, when God intervenes, here, you might say, in the simple event of the prayer life of one of his faithful, then joy enters the world, beauty enters the world. 
And this little girl, the little Dorothy Day, her soul picks up on this. And she feels a feeling, she feels a feeling of gratitude and happiness that warmed my heart, which I have never forgotten, she says. It's very interesting, just, just looking at the autobiography of this particular servant of God. There were different influences in her life, but it was like the beauty of God's works, the beauty of creation, the, the beauty of people. That's what helped her so much. When she was an adolescent, for example, she used to attend an Episcopalian church. And that's where she learned the Psalms and the Te Deum. Um, she loved the, uh, the Psalm, the Benedicite. All you works of the Lord bless you, the Lord praise him and glorify him forever. O you sun and moon, O you stars of the sky, O you winds and hoarfrost, you rain, you rain and dew, bless ye the Lord, praise him, glorify him forever. And uh, she says, whenever I felt the beauty, the beauty of the world in song or story, in the material universe around me, or glimpsed it in human love, I wanted to cry out with joy. If only I could sing, I thought, I would shout before the Lord and call upon the world to shout with me. All you works of the Lord, bless you, the Lord, praise him and glorify him forever. She says, my idea of heaven became one of fields and meadows, sweet with flowers and songs and melodies unutterable, in which even the laughing gull and the waves on the shore would play their part. Deeply Christian, we'd have to say all of this, and deeply Catholic. To be Catholic is to enjoy the beauty of this world, to enjoy all the good things God gives us, to, re to recognise the beauty of God's works. St. Maria wrote in one of his private notebooks, although it's now all available, of course, he, he, he wrote one day, I, I look at the work and I am gobsmacked. In, in Spanish, the phrase is, miro a la obra y me quedo abobado. I suppose in English we'd say something like, I, I gaze on the work and my jaw just drops. He realized that he was the founder but that really it was God doing everything, of course. And he recognised in the work the beauty of God's action. Um, why did his jaw drop, you know? Why was he gobsmacked? Because the work is very beautiful, actually. Sometimes when we're in the thick of it, we don't always realise it, which is very understandable. And therefore it's good for us to take a step back, maybe especially on a feast day like today, on a day of special family anniversaries, and say, well, let's look at what God is doing through the women's branch, what God has done through the women's branch. Let's look at what God is doing and has done and will do through the ministerial priesthood in Opus Dei. And just thank God. And just thank God. One thing that um, is very clear in the different foundational moments of the work is that it's God's work. And that's something that's very, very consoling, I guess, for all of us, and was a, a consolation also for the founder. This is how he describes the founding of the women's branch in his own personal notes. A short time later, on February the 14th, 1930, I was celebrating Mass in the little chapel of the elderly Marchioness of Ontario, Luz Casanova's mother, 
whom I took care of spiritually while I was chaplain of the foundation. During the Mass, right after communion, the whole women's branch of the work. I cannot say that I saw it, but intellectually, in detail, I grasped what the, woman, what the women's branch of Opus Dei would be. Later, I added other elements, developing this intellectual vision. I gave thanks, and at the usual time, I went to the confession of, of Father Sanchez. He listened to me and then said, this is just as much from God as the rest. Maybe it's good for us to, to dwell on this moment of illumination, of the founder grasping the essence of the women's branch. It happens during the Mass, right after communion, when he has our Lord, when he has you, Lord, within him. And then the other, you might say, seal of divine action here is that in a certain sense, the founder doesn't trust himself. He doesn't trust his own intellectual apprehension of the thing. He goes to his spiritual director of that time, who was Father Sanchez, a Jesuit priest who was a spiritual director at that time. And this priest listened to the founder and said, this is just as much from God as the rest. And what's very striking, of course, almost comical, you might say, um, in the founding of the women's branch was that it happened as it were, against St. Josemaria's better judgment, you might say. As he wrote a few years later, I always believed, and I still believe, that our Lord, as on other occasions, managed me in such a way that there would be a clear, external, objective proof that the work was his. I said, I don't want women in Opus Dei. And God said, well, I do. <laughs> it is interesting, like the founder, initially he didn't see that there would be women in the work. He wasn't clear on that. But our Lord made him clear. He often spoke about these paradoxes of the founding of the work, not just about the women's branch, but the work in general. For example, he said, the foundation of Opus Dei happened without me. The women's branch, against my personal opinion, and the priestly society of the Holy Cross, when I was seeking it, but unable to find it. Well, Lord, we thank you today for your goodness to your church and to your, to your, to your people by giving these graces of, um, you know, the, the women's branch of the work and the priestly society of the Holy Cross. We thank you. And uh, we ask for the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, to help us to rediscover something of the beauty of the work. Um, again, not that all of us in the work are, are inherently perfect or beautiful, because we're certainly not. We're, we're ordinary Christians. That's what, if you like, marks our vocation, is our secularity, um, our normality, please God. Uh, but God's work is beautiful. That's why our founder at times referred to the work as like a rose of perfect shape and perfect hue. He even referred to the work as like a new ark of the covenant where where God meets man and man meets God, I suppose especially in in the ordinary things where, where men and women meet meet you, Jesus, in, in 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 daily life. There's something holy, something divine hidden in the most ordinary things. You know, it's the ark of the covenant of of the middle of the world, you might say. At times our founder referred to the work as a healing balm that brings peace to souls and healing. 
He also referred to the work with the scriptural expression as quasi-fluvium patches, like a river of peace. And this, these are all images, ways in which St. Maria was grappling in order to express something of the beauty he perceived in what God had done through him. He wasn't laying claim to the intuition. He wasn't laying, laying claim to the idea. What he, what he was doing was praising and thanking God and rejoicing in God for the beauty of his works, which is what we're trying to do today. And what about the priests? Today we thank God with all our hearts for 80 years of the Priestly Society of the Holy Cross and so many priests who have found their vocation there and so many other priests who share in that spirituality, countless, countless priests all over the world, many priests who take part in the work of the Priestly Society to a greater or lesser extent, this is a great day to pray for them. And even though this is a bit self-interested, let's pray for priests and always support your priests. Always support them. Our priests in our parish, our priests in our centre. Be affectionate, be supporting, be supportive, because it's not always easy. Um, the priesthood, too, is very beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. Um, the Curia of Ars, who, of course, is the patron of, of all priests, St. Jean-Marie Vianney, he describes the priesthood, uh, and this is contained in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. He says, the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. It's like the blood and the water that flow out from our Lord's heart on the cross and give life to the world comes through the channel of the ministerial priesthood. And that is true. And that's the beauty of the priesthood. Again, the Curia of Ars said that were we to understand really what the priesthood is, we would die. But not of fear, but of love. We would die of love. The story is sometimes told of St. John Paul II that he, he knew this young lad who was finishing secondary school there in Italy, in Rome. And he was speaking to him, he got to know him a bit and, and asked him, well, what are you going to do when you leave school? And the young lad said, I want to be an artist. And the Pope looked at him and prayed for him and, and said, well, why don't you be a real artist, the greatest artist of all? What do you mean? You could be a priest. You could shape Christ in souls. You could draw Christ, paint Christ, sculpt Christ in souls. And the young lad, he was able to uh, hear the vocation and he is now a priest. It doesn't mean that everyone who wants to be an artist needs to be a priest. Of course not. But it does show something about the essence of the priesthood, which it is, it is the making present of the beauty of God's work. And that's what priests are called to do in the church at large, in our parishes, in our hospitals, our schools, in the world, and also specifically in the family of the work. That's what priests are for. There's a very nice section in the prelate's letter on vocation from October 2020 and he addresses himself to the priest of the prelature. He says, My children, if St. Josemaria said to everyone that it is Christ we must talk about, not ourselves, you priests must make a special effort not to shine, not to take the lead role, trying to ensure that the lead role and the brightness in your life are those of Christ, and that, in any case, it is your sisters and brothers who shine. That's really interesting that 
The priest's role actually is to disappear, to make his sisters and brothers shine. Obviously, he doesn't disappear in the sense of <laughs> not doing his bit, but I suppose being the divine artist, trying to be the instrument of the Holy Spirit, who, who does tend to disappear, the Holy Spirit, and to leave the imprint of God's action, ultimately to lead to leave the beauty of Christ himself on everything and everyone. Because that's what the work is about, isn't it? To sanctify our ordinary life, to sanctify the world. That means to beautify the world. And our apostolate, which is the apostolate typical of lay people and secular priests, is to attract people to Christ through love, through friendship, through example. At the moment, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, is giving a series of catechesis on apostolic zeal. And not surprisingly, he's emphasizing the importance of attraction to Christ. Because you, Lord, are beauty. You are beauty in person. And today we celebrate with all our hearts. We celebrate and we rejoice in two very special manifestations of your beauty in our family. We finish our prayer by praying for one another and by praying for our prelate and praying for the whole family of the work and indeed for the whole family of the church. And we could make our own that prayer of St. Ambrose. May the soul of Mary be in each one of you to praise God. May the soul of Mary be in each one of you to rejoice in God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this time of prayer. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. <laughs>